You're listening to the Pandemic Podcast, where we equip you to live the most real life possible in the face of today's crises. My name is Matt Botker, and I'm joined with my two good friends, Dr. Stephen Kissler, an epidemiologist at Harvard School of Public Health, and once again, Dr. Mark Kissler, who is a doctor at the University of Colorado Hospital. Hey guys, good to see you on this crazy bonus episode Saturday. Hey, Saturday hey, Matt. episode, Matt. How you doing? Good. How you doing, Stephen? It's good to see you too. Yeah, doing great. It's good to see you guys. I'm glad we could be back again. I know normally we do like a Monday, Wednesday, uh, Friday, which we're trying to do, and we really don't have a consistency because we just started over a week ago. Uh, but uh, Stephen and Mark and I just thought, man, we really want to talk about something. And given that we talked about uh, travel uh, yesterday, it was fitting to like, let's just go right in and talk about this. And we want to talk about uh, test kits uh, and just kind of where we how we got there. And, uh, but before we, before we do that, that's the kind of the impetus for kind of just talking today. Uh, Mark has a really important announcement to, to, to make. Yeah. So for anybody who knows or loves a high school math teacher, today's an important <laughs> national holiday. It's a uh, March 14th pie day. So to our mother and, and all the other math <laughs> teachers out there who are celebrating today, happy pie day. Uh, and thanks for the care package. We're all, we all appreciate it. <laughs> that's awesome. I do know it starts at the number three, right? That's about it. That's all that's I got. Right. That's all right. right. 3.14. Well, offline, I'll let Stephen recite the, uh, <laughs> oh my. recite as many digits. Stephen, do you know a lot of them? It's, it's embarrassing. I, it's yeah, it is embarrassing. Yeah, oh, we, we could save that for after the recording okay. stop. And, uh, uh, oh, and Stephen sent us a great video uh, from Italy right before this that yeah. I thought was awesome, which was like a bunch of people uh, came out on their balconies in an apartment building mm-hmm. You know, they were all like, play. What, what were they doing? They were like playing tambourines and accordions and singing along to some. Yeah, know, there was just like this this block of apartment buildings, basically, and everybody had come out on their balconies, and there there was there was some song they were singing, and just everybody was completely into it, and uh, you know, everybody was still maintaining their six feet of distance from each other, and you know, staying, <laughs> totally. staying inside, but but it was absolutely joyful, you know, it yeah. was just like this exuberant sort of sort of performance amongst these neighbors that were just making the best of a, of a difficult situation. Yeah, and I know I know we have to be careful with statistics because this is a you know we try to be real scientific, but and that's a limited sample size, but the number of accordions per person in Italy. <laughs> that was amazing. It's, it's, be it's unreal. It's, yeah. it's significantly higher than in Aurora, I can like, tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. I love it. So we'll put it in the show notes. A few things in the news before we get going. I know here, Denver Public Schools closures, right? You said, uh, Mark, we got those all closed down. That's right. We've opened the uh, Kissler Homeschool Academy oh, good. Uh, enrollment. Are you? Oh, good. Just give me the form so I can uh, fill that out because I'd love to, to send my kids away <laughs> it's for a, a distance. Day. It's distance learning. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. See, look at this. I'm still trying to get used to this. <laughs> but don't worry. We bought bubbles so they can just roll around the bubbles in your house. Correspondence course. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. In bubble plug. So, and then I know CU schools uh, going virtual uh, and doing online courses. Uh, we, we, we saw this a few days ago, I think on Wednesday that, uh, I was so impressed by this Colorado, a first drive through testing, uh, I think Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday in the PRB ongoing, uh, Mark, you said that the only other place that was, it was in Korea that implemented this. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it, there's anywhere else in the country, but I do know that they've, um, been doing it in South Korea for a little okay. while and it seems to be just a great, from a public health standpoint, you know, a great way to get good throughput for testing. Yeah. And then we see, uh, with, the the John Hopkins tracker, 2,500 confirmed case in the U S continues to grow. 
and uh, this kind of leads into the test kits, but we, I wanted Mark to talk about what he found. I haven't seen it yet, but it sounds fascinating. You need to check out the New York Times. Mark, what is, what is this cool thing? Yeah, it's super cool. So the, the New York Times today had an interactive coronavirus uh, map that we were talking about flattening the curve yesterday. Um, and they have a slider where you can slide both the date of the onset of the interventions, like canceling big group events and that sort of thing. And then also sort of the, the degree, so mild, moderate, or kind of more aggressive social distancing measures. And you can see the way that it affects both projected numbers of people infected and mortality rates. Um, so really interesting, super interesting to kind of slide it around and see and uh, drives home, I think, the point we were talking about last week quite yeah. a bit. That's awesome. And I think this goes right into our, our main segment. I think it's important just to get, I really want to know just me personally, and I wanted to get Steve and Mark on, like the test kits, uh, what's going on? I know that we've been behind and kind of delayed and we're not like the rest of the world. I know Korea, just South Korea is just kind of just putting out test kits like crazy and we're really behind. And just for the sake of myself and everybody else listening, you know, how did we get here and what does that, what does that mean for an accurate reflection of what's going on right now? Steven, you want to, do you want to start us or Mark? Sure. I mean, I can jump in. I mean, I think that the there's there there are a lot of different factors that seem to have played into this, and I think I think Mark can probably expand on this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, ultimately, it means that we have less of a sense of of what's going on right now. But I guess the the point that I want to drive home, and that we'll probably return to in a moment, is that it seems like there's a lot of innovation going on in this area, mm-hmm. and so I think there's there's hope that we'll be able to sort of ramp up our production in the very near future. Oh, and I think there's a lot of sort of everybody's asking this question about like what happened um, and why have we not tested a lot more people kind of right up front. Um, seems to me that there's been sort of a you know, that unfortunate perfect storm of several different things stacking up as often as the case in this sort of scenario. Um, and w- based on just kind of some preliminary reading I'd been doing, it looks like there had been a reagent. So one of the chemicals that they use in this testing process, which when we're testing for viruses, um, you know, involves looking at the specific viral DNA and being able to, or RNA in this case, is being able to pull it out and uh, and replicate it and then t- check and see if it's there. It sounds like one of those reagents in the original test kits had a problem with it. Um, and of course, I think there's been some difficulties in the setting of the global demand for these kits uh, to then replace that and get that up and running. Um, there's also, it looks like um, there's been a kind of a longstanding policy since at least 2004, a law that requires FDA approval for tests um, like this one. And it seems like, but we're not exactly sure where this happened, that there were some issues regarding workarounds uh, and implementing the workarounds in emergent public health scenarios that might have allowed private companies to employ their tests a little bit earlier. So I think, you know, big big picture wise, I don't know. I think there's, you know, a lot of people really looking into this more and I'm, I hope we'll have some more kind of clear answers in the next few days. Um, but there's still some questions about why this didn't get ramped up super, super aggressively really early. And we have had, as Stephen was pointing, you know, some good news. Definitely, I've seen changes just in the hospital environment over the last, you know, 48 hours or so based on, you know, I haven't, haven't been in today, but what I've been hearing is that our testing capabilities are going way up and the turnaround time has gone down. Um, and so there's some optimism related to our ability to test, especially those high-risk exposures for whom it's very clinically relevant. Uh, so that's kind of the the status currently. Just to put this in perspective, I think it just, it's helpful to know that legitimately we are really behind in the testing. So as test kits roll out and more are being confirmed, 
uh, I want to be ca- in my mind. I want to be cautious that it doesn't necessarily mean that we're actually um, increasing the number of infections on that day by that much. That in some sense, where it's a combination seems like of of uh, yeah, new infections probably happening, but also catching up from weeks past that we haven't actually been able to test. And so this leads to this. Uh, I think uh, you know we look in the John Hopkins uh, tracker. There's 2,500 uh, confirmed cases. It seems to be pretty clear, right, that uh, that's probably not an accurate reflection of what's really going on in our country right now. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, I would. Yeah, I know there was that article. There was a Johns Hopkins researcher who was saying, you know, that there may be significantly more cases than we have confirmed at this point. And yeah, I think we, um, like you said, just recognizing that that's a possibility, that the increase in testing doesn't necessarily reflect an increase in viral spread, um, but that it may actually have been you know, spreading more quickly and, uh, and deeper into our communities in the last couple of weeks than we were able to, to test for. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason why I kind of wanted to bring this back home again, if I get this in my own personal circle, so I figured that maybe it's probably the same thing. I mean, here, and by the way, uh, you, this is just an audio, so you don't see what's going on, but I'm in my dungeon basement. And so Stephen... <laughs> And and Mark can see they they probably feel like like uh, Mark was saying uh, just before we got on that I I'm entering in this like preparedness like extreme measure I'm in a bunker there's all these yeah. rations around me so this is so it feels so fitting like I'm light bulbs. yeah I know I'm <laughs> underground protecting myself I'm doing my social distancing I will not come out from the basement for six months and I'll have a big long beard. And it's going to be awesome. <laughs> but in light of all this, but I, the, one I, the reason I want to bring this to the forefront of the picture of this episode, and I think it's important to have this bonus episode today, is because I do hear a pushback still. This idea of, okay, there's only this many deaths. I mean, all these other examples. And the fact of the matter is we do not have a complete picture. And there's a lot of reasons for that. So this is what I kind of want to bring in my one line here is that why social distancing is so important. So where I work, we are no longer going into work. We shut down every event. And I'm really proud that we did this by Friday, that nothing is happening. We're trying to find new ways to continue our own platform and go virtually for an in, for just an indeterminate amount of time. So some new ways to do things. Uh, so, But I'm still seeing pushback about this social distancing. And I read this thing uh, on from my brother. He posted it on Facebook. And I just have to read this. Uh, I, I, I'm, I don't know who this person is. Like Kyla, Kyla Colbin. And that maybe I'm supposed to. And if I do, I'm really sorry. Uh, but she said this, and I think it's so fitting. Here's the thing to understand about flattening the curve. It only works if we take necessary measures before they seem necessary. I think this is the pushback. And if it works, people we think people will think we overreacted. We have to be willing to look like we overreacted. I think that is so perfect. Like the the best case scenario, Mark, you can talk about this a little bit if you want to, but <laughs> is is the idea that if the, nothing really happens and if it, we, we do flatten the curve and it doesn't peak and we're like, what? Why did we do this? And then we're like, well, because if we didn't do this, it would be peaking, you know? So uh, I think it's really important for everyone to take this seriously, uh, do whatever they can to put some distance uh, to uh, this uh, from from other infections. And this leads then to, right? Well, or if you're going to do that, more than likely you're going to be chilling at home. And uh, when you're chilling at home, that means you're not doing as many things. And Mark uh, made some notes on this. And I got really excited. This idea that, okay, what do we do now? Uh, you know, we've we've gone from this uh, this life of uh, being busy, right? We've been going nonstop. We're going to work. We're doing our grocery shopping, and now all of a sudden we're being forced to take a step back and uh, uh, and not be so busy. And what do we do with this, Mark? Do you have some thoughts? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think 
um, it's it's one of those funny things. It's like it can be kind of scary in that first moment where and and of course there are lots lots and lots of individuals you know who are very busy working super super hard on this work you know and and busy in different ways as they're adapting their lives you know uh, and and all sorts of things to this distancing. But there is a sense of like a void that's opened up um, in our lives as we kind of withdraw from some of our typical social activities. Um, and we kind of, you know, you you confront yourself in that and it's uh, it can be a little bit jarring because I think a lot of the times, one of the ways for me at least is to, to uh, if I'm, you know, anxious about something, worried about something, to just like bury myself even more in, in work and busyness and that sort of thing. Um, and I think we've, you know, we've seen... Uh, seen ways that this crisis in particular can exert some forces that pull us in just the opposite directions that we hope to be going. So, you know, we talk about social distancing, but the last thing we want is to be isolated, you know, and uh, we, you know, we definitely want to be building good bridges and, and uh, collaborating on solutions instead of building up stigma and blame and, you know, these sorts of things. And I think, and in the same way that, uh, you know, just having that, that void, that, uh, that, cabin fever feeling you know (laughs) can i think sometimes work to uh increase the amount of anxiety we feel so one of the things we wanted to talk about a little bit today that we were talking about before is you know how do we stay really human Mm -hmm. in the midst of sort of the reduction of life to some of these more basic elements Mm -hmm. um and um so you know matt i know you and i share this uh you know share a lot of appreciation for this essay um so it's a 1952 essay that we're going to quote from a little bit by a german philosopher named joseph pieper um and it's called leisure the basis of culture and i think one of the key points here um that i like matt you to riff on a little bit is that he he sets in opposition the idea of idleness uh and leisure he says those aren't the same thing he says really idleness and this idea of total work are more similar mm-hmm. and leisure is kind of this third way yeah. Uh, yeah, I love where he kind of talks about the the nature of leisure being the pursuit of wonder. And I might go a little different direction to what what people might be going to with is because there's two things I want to bring in that uh that Mark talked about that I think is really important is that there's a distinction between isolation and solitude, right? That that isolation is this like complete like going inward for the sake of like as an into itself. Like you just and you you've been in those moments where you feel isolated, and then the the, the natural consequence you feel alone, you feel abandoned, you feel you, there's a sense of defeat, and then there's a sense of despair, and that's all the consequences of like the felt felt, uh, felt uh, isolation. Whereas solitude is a little bit different. It's kind of going inward for the sake of preparing yourself to be a gift to another person. Basically, that's kind of like a big lofty statement but and 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 this is i want to now take that and bring in cal newport so now you don't know cal newport he's just he's he's a great great author um he's written some awesome books on digital minimalism and deep work but one thing yeah it's a great great book and one of the things he mentioned about this idea the the crisis of the digital age which i think this is kind of we're kind of confronting this right now but in a different way, uh, that the, the, digital, the, the difficulty with the, the digital age is that we're always occupied, right? So we're always busy. So the downfall is that we might be going into our own houses, but we're still could be occupying ourselves nonstop with like obsessing with Twitter or Instagram or oh, what's the other one group something. I don't know. I'm older. It's college, whatever it is, the, those things. So they're, they're, they're constantly inundated by their screens. And he was saying like this is the great opportunity that's available to us that by maybe stripping a few things, and I'm hoping they're not like terrible things. I know some people are going through some hard times. I'm hoping it's 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 things that are that we can we can we can grapple with that by a distancing ourselves, right, putting some space. 
uh, you know, one of Cal Newport's big things was that he believed that most adolescents and high school students were entering into depression and entering into suicide because they didn't, they didn't have the solids in their lives to actually know who they were. And, and this idea that this concept of having space in your life to actually get to know yourself so that you don't have like a quarter life crisis at the age of 13 and don't know what you want to do or like 42, me, a legitimate midlife crisis. That's why I'm on this podcast. Find new meaning in life. No, I, it's, it's one of those things where this is an opportunity to sit back and in my way of saying like date yourself for a little bit, get to know yourself, ask some questions about who you are, get that space, the margin of your life to pursue the most important things. And more than anything, we want to be able to, to be able to give ourselves to other people. And if we don't know who we are because we're constantly listening to podcasts like this one and other ones and not actually asking ourselves the questions about what do I feel? What, I mean, who cares what Mark thinks and Steven thinks? And well, actually I care about them, but who cares what Matt thinks, whatever it is, but what do I feel about the situation? And then allowing that dialogue to enter into the outside world rather, rather than just having the exclusive megaphone be the outside world, right? So I think that is kind of the thing. Is that, and, and that's part of the pursuit of wonder of Peeper, I think, in my mind. Like the part of wonder is maybe wondering, wondering about who I am as an individual for once in my life instead of being occupied about the next thing. Absolutely. And, and encountering yourself is real, you know, and encountering yeah. the world is real, um, you know, instead of in all kind of the mediated ways that <laughs> yeah, we totally. often do that. Um, and this idea of kind of like this receptive understanding of just, of just the real world uh, and immersion in in that um i think sometimes maybe um there's something about sort of the artificiality of even the way that we receive our news you know and and how that feeds some of the anxiety that we that we see and and that it just kind of doesn't serve us to be really grounded and and immersed as you know as peeper would say you know immersed he says something about leisure leisure is the disposition of receptive understanding of contemplative beholding and immersion in the real Mm. uh and like in terms of a, a a definition. I mean, that's like quite the definition of, <laughs> of leisure. Yeah, it is. I was just thinking about myself, this idea of wonder and living in the uh, uncertain times, it might be a really good practice, you know, between now this weekend, it's this weekend, if you're listening to it, to practice two things. Wonder about something as simple as reading a good book or listening to good music, entering into a spirit of wonder just for a few moments, disengaging from the noise of, of the coronavirus and practicing on a small level, right? Doing something that has uncertain consequences in a small way that won't like destroy your life. Like for instance, maybe giving a marker to my five-year-old and just saying, have it. And then, and then it could be that he might draw a profoundly beautiful painting on a piece of paper or he may graffiti my house. I don't know. Right. I don't know what it is, but allowing that just to happen and just, and just watch the real moment unfold and realize, wow, this is, this is okay. This is okay. Practicing small moments. You're, you're, about, you're about to find out if it was okay. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> you're going to go back upstairs. I'm, I'm pretty sure my two-year-old can bilocate at this point. I've yeah, been in the house totally. with him. So, and it's just like, how's, how are you in that room and this room? <laughs> totally. So I think that'd be a great practice. Small, small steps of practicing a little bit of uncertain times. It's okay. Uh, those things, it's, it's, it's a good place to be in because it elevates the heart and it elevates the spirit of wonder. You know, just sort of one last thing on that is that, um, you know, as you were saying, this the, the the time that we have, you know, gives us an opportunity to know ourselves. But I think that, um, you know, thinking about sort of the anxiety that can mark this time um, doesn't necessarily have to be a totally negative thing either, because I think that things like anxiety and even exhaustion and um, and worry and these sorts of things can sometimes have the effect of unmasking 
to a certain extent. Um, and they may, they strip us down a little bit and make us more vulnerable than we might be otherwise. So sure. and to a certain extent, they can be avenues to deeper community with ourselves and with other people too. Because in a way, they, they, they help us just see ourselves as we are, you know, and we don't have all of the comforts that normally surround us and sort of prop up this image of, 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 of who we think we might be. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe thinking on that too, um, as we have these sort of longer expanses of time on our hands, perhaps, uh, could be worthwhile. All right, I think that's a great way to end this episode. So if you have any questions for us, doc, uh, Dr. Stephen uh, at S-T-E-P-H-E-N-K-I-S-S-L-E-R on Twitter, go ahead and direct message him. Any questions about the podcast or, or uh, any feedback, go ahead and direct, direct message me at M-A-T-T-B-O-E-T-T-G-E-R. And once again, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you in just probably two more days. Take care. Bye-bye.